Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Armed and Generous. I'm your host, Luke Opliger. I'm excited today to welcome Jenna Tenenbaum. No, she's not from a Wes Anderson movie. She's from the direct-to-consumer toilet paper space. Yes, you heard that right, DTC toilet paper. But before that, she had a number of twists and turns in her career, from joining startups that became major brands to starting her own business and her own blog, and then selling that business. And then now, like I said, she's on the DTC toilet paper train and she's leading a global brand. So no matter what she does, Jenna always comes back to this desire to help others in her work. She's just cool like that. She currently is the head of a growth marketing department uh, for that DTC toilet paper company, Who Gives a Crap? I just have to pause for a second because that name is just so incredible and special. And probably the fifth grade boy that's still inside of me goes, there's a name of a toilet paper company called Who Gives a Crap? Uh, but they provide a sustainable product and they give away 50% of their profits, five, zero. That's half for you math majors out there. And what they do with those profits they give away, they help build bathroom solutions in developing countries, which is actually a big problem. She's living armed and generous. And I'm super excited for you to hear her perspectives and insights from her double bottom line life. If you're someone wrestling with career choices and navigating how to put more purpose into your nine to five, I'm raising my hand, then this is a must listen as Jenna drops some serious knowledge on how to cultivate a meaningful career. Let's get into it. You kind of look at your life now, you look at your professional life and you say, wow, you've kind of got this perfect storm of professionalism. It's sustainability, meets generous give back, but no, you know, someone like myself who's had some other twists and turns in his career, I know that it's not an A to B. You don't just wake up and it's like, snap, I've got my dream job. Um, you know, what was that journey like for you from first job out of, out of college to this one? Yeah, well, I'm really glad that you said that too, because I think we often can look at people's careers and see only a straight line and definitely me living my life my journey looks like everything was a logical next step but living it in the moment it didn't always feel like that so i can give you a little bit of background about myself and how i got to essentially i started out in anti-money laundering and now i'm selling eco-friendly toilet paper but uh so yeah I you know that, that, that sounds like in... a typical path you know money laundering <laughs> yeah exactly to... Uh, toilet paper. <laughs> That's right. Very linear. Yes. But I think kind of thinking back in the career and also I'm like, I feel really excited where I feel like I'm just getting started too. So I've worked in six different industries and I've done six different jobs wow. and I've really tried to solve six wildly different problems at every one of those um, positions. So mm -hmm. if I think about what drove me to make career changes, it's very clear that I had a clear why to, and a clear vision of what I wanted in my next step. So looking at these decisions, a lot of my choices were really focusing on bringing more and more meaning into my work. So just a quick summary. Um, I went to school for finance and graduated at the University of Pittsburgh. And I moved to New York City right after I graduated and I started my career off in anti-money laundering as a risk management consultant. <laughs> I then got a job in customer support, then moved into data and to be a data analyst at a real-time data analytics company. And that's where I started um, a fitness blog. Then I moved into I was the first marketing hire at a company called ClassPass, which is a fitness, uh, it was a fitness startup, but now they're, they're quite large. Mm -hmm. um, I, from ClassPass, started a, a smoothie delivery company called Green Blender, and I ran that with my husband for five years. Um, and now I am selling eco-friendly toilet paper at, a, at Who Gives a Crap as wow. a growth marketer. So yeah, it's definitely very very interesting i would say non-linear non-traditional path to where i am today um but i'd love to you know help people on like unpack my the motivation to every career choice that i made absolutely yeah it's kind of interesting you, you've handled a lot of the body 
you know, keeping your body healthy, what you put in your body, how you handle things that come out of your body. I mean, you kind of held the whole gamut. And I, I did a lot of work um, in pet care at one point at an advertising agency. And we had both cat chow and tidy cats. And we said, you know, it's, it's really kind of, it, you know, in, end to end, if you will, um, for, for the human experience. And what's, what's exciting about what you shared is, is there's a lot of ways to live life. You know, there's, there's a lot of blogs you could have created. There's a lot of products you could have created that maybe were more addictive or, you know, something that maybe would have sold faster or, you know, been more profitable. My, my sense is there's, there's a bit of a through line here, uh, which is uh, around health. You know, it, it's, and this is just something I'm kind of picking up today as you share it. It's, it feels like your part of your bent in life is to say, how, how do I help others achieve a healthy lifestyle and keep, keep the world healthy too? Is that fair to yeah. say? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I think, I think for me, as, as I think about the twist in terms of what you described, you know, going from data analytics, you know, all the way to selling toilet paper on the internet, you know, it, it seems to be that there's, there's passion in everything you do. And I, I don't want to skip over it too fast. You kind of just casually threw in there, well, I started a fitness blog. Um, I mean, <laughs> anyone, and I remember, you know, blogs, especially prior to Instagram, prior to Twitter, you know, prior to social really becoming the main kind of influencer, you know, um, area, blogs were a thing. Anyone can start a blog, right? But I know when you and I talked the other day, you shared with me kind of this, the velocity and success of that blog. Can you talk a little bit about what that looked like and how you went from, hey, I have an idea to now it's a reality. What did that look like? Yeah. So when I was working at, the company was called Chartbeat. They did data, real-time data analytics, real-time data analytics. And I really think back, I feel like that was a renaissance in my career um, because I, like I mentioned before, I went to school for finance and then I went into banking. And that, at the time, the mentality around the internet, your online presence, being searchable, the, the general guidance that professors and bosses would provide to you was to keep everything private. Yes. Don't have an online presence. You know, God forbid somebody like Googled your name and found your Facebook and saw you drinking a beer yes. you know, during an interview process. I, I remember so, this. I remember this era. They, they, we would go to hire, you know, especially junior staffers and you'd say, oh my gosh, they're, they're doing, you know, a beer bong or doing this. It's like, well, they're also in college. So yeah, what did you let's, do when you were in college? <laughs> Imagine if there was a picture taken every time you did something when you were in That's college. right. Yeah. And I think, so when I was at the, the startup, this was really the first time I had been around people that didn't think like that. And so a lot of my coworkers were, um, oh, thank you. My husband just gave me a... A drink, a See, coffee. I, I feel like you're on a different <laughs> level right now. The coffee just appear out of nowhere. Do you I love it? Do you summon them? How does that work? <laughs> um, Water, please. So like I, yeah. <laughs> See, I can um, do that too. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so I basically, when I was working at the startup, it was really a professional um renaissance for me i was i was seeing all of my coworkers and they had you know 100,000 twitter followers and mm. they had an online presence and they were thought leaders and they were really honing a personal brand and creating opportunities for themselves outside of their work because of their personal brand and so that really got me thinking about well what do i care about what do i want to try to do the internet was really fun in those days. I feel like Facebook kind of ruined the internet, but you actually went to websites and you actually, you know, looked for fun things. People were doing really fun things yes. on websites and posting. It was just like, it was so fun. I'm very nostalgic for that era of the internet. Um, but so I started 
a fitness blog because I was always into health and wellness. I was really into CrossFit in college and I was seeing the, the influencers that I was seeing around were all fitness instructors. And so I felt like that was a very unattainable sure. vibe. And sure. so my whole premise to starting the blog was called Urban Fitopia. And it was all about just trying to be healthy and fit and trying fun things around New York City. But also that was just something you did for fun and you weren't just a professional um, fitness instructor. Mm. So that in New York at the time, I think brands didn't really know what to do with bloggers yet. Um, and so we, I was able to get involved with a lot of really interesting, awesome brand partnerships. Um, even though I felt like, you know, I was like with women's health editors and I was just like, a, I had a Tumblr. It was a cool, like a fun Tumblr. Tumblr. And, that, that takes <laughs> but, me back. Yes. I would say we're, we're not on the same caliber. Um, but I, <laughs> anyway, I did get to uh, experience and understand um, how brands interacted with the media and how they talked and influenced um, the general public. And that was really my first foray into marketing because I was really into finance, data, analytics. Mm -hmm. I was very a black and white thinker, very data driven. And I think um, because I was doing a lot of that at work, I was kind of craving some creativity and that's really the other reason why I started this blog. So I really started testing out, you know, building a newsletter and mm. posting, um, on my blog and, oh, I, I, how do I get more brands to work with me? How would they find bloggers? Well, they're probably looking for a specific niche in a specific market. So I renamed my blog. Uh, NYC fitness blog so that when Google, when people would Google New York city fitness bloggers, I would pop up first. Um, uh, I see you SEO. Come on. So now. it was, it was very, a lot of hit or miss, a lot of trial by error. And um, it was a really fun time to just like play around on the internet and, mm. and, and test the waters on what I wanted to publicly present to the world. Um, so during that time, because I had a fitness blog, I was on Twitter a lot and tweeting with a lot of brands and actually started talking to ClassPass on Twitter. Um, we were just, I don't even know, bantering back and forth. And um, we actually, they actually said, like, we moved to slid into the DMs and um, yes. they asked me if I wanted to come in and interview because they were looking for someone to help run their email and blog for their brand. And so long story short, um, went in, got the job, was the sixth employee there, I think, wow. um, first marketing hire that they, they brought on. Um, and that was really kind of my first step into a more professional marketing um, position. That's incredible. So it sounds like the, the key to success is sliding into the, someone's DM. That seems... <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say the key to success, well, at least for me in that moment was yes. really feeding into your passions, being really curious about mm. how things are working and also being aware of what companies and brands and people are doing in that space and not being really afraid to reach out because at the other end of that Twitter handle of a big brand is just another person writing a tweet, just like you. So uh, I think that was also one of the things that um, I came to realize when I was going to yes. these kind of really fancy big events and meeting the people that were, you know, behind running these bigger brands. Yeah. You just, it's at the end of the day, it's always about humans and mm -hmm. the human connection. Um, and that really, um, helps drive me today, but really helps understand, may help me understand how to connect with others. Um, and I think that really helped open doors for me. That's awesome. Yeah. I've, I've been that person behind, behind the keys of big brands, whether it's like nationwide insurance on Super Bowl night or, you know, working on a team. Cause sometimes it's even more than one person, you know, you're kind of That's taking right. gifts or you there might be a content calendar and then once in a while, you'll, you'll see someone accidentally tweet their personal 
you know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I also ran social media for ClassPass okay. and for Green Blender yeah. for a while. And that's like, oh, you can have like uh, nightmares and wake up in a cold sweat because you're afraid oh, of yeah. doing that. Can I, can yeah. I tell you a quick story? I, I haven't shared this with many people. And so this is exclusive. Yeah, but <laughs> for the five listeners of this, plus my mom, um, I, I think that I was working on DiGiorno Pizza and we were growing the brand on, on Facebook and Twitter and, and I don't think Instagram was even a thing. I mean, it, it was like a photo sharing app at the time. And we were doing this live tweeting thing from the United Center in Chicago because they opened up a pizzeria there. And so I'm there live and I'm on, I'm on the agency side. And the client, the, the you know, director of brand marketing is right next to me. And I go to tweet a picture. Well, I had taken the picture with my iPhone. And then I, and I and this is before there was a mobile Twitter. Uh, there, was, there wasn't a Twitter app yet. And so I emailed it to myself and I copied it on my desktop and I took, you know, whatever random number .jpg and tweeted it out. And we had, I don't know, maybe 100,000 followers at the time. And it wasn't the picture from that night. It was actually, it was actually a picture of a whiteboard that I had taken a picture of earlier that day of our entire strategic plan for the year from a social media standpoint. (laughs) So that, that went on, that was live for about 10 seconds. And I was like quickly deleted it. And I look over at the client and I was like, yeah, good, good thing the client didn't see that. And he was just like, wow. oh, that's all right. You know, by that time, I think the beers had been broken out and, you know, everyone was pretty okay with it, but it was, uh, it was a hard Ooh, stop. It was a hard That stop. could have been a lot worse yeah. of all the pictures. <laughs> right. <laughs> of all, he's like, is that, is that a mole? Like, is that, is that your, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I feel you on that idea of, of pe- everything in this world. It sounds kind of silly, but it's like everything that's been, created by man is in man and woman is is just made by people like it's there's yeah. just people behind here generally trying to do good things or trying to do a good job or trying to be a decent yeah. and so how do you find you know the connections there i want to ask you too you know you had mentioned as we rattled through your resume you had mentioned you know again kind of casually hey i started this company and you know, it's, it's a, a, a smoothie meal kit company. And so it seems like, hey, this, this is not something that your average person just says, hey, I'm going to start this, this company and, you know, this, this will be fun. Let's just go for it. What, talk to me about kind of the start of that, the middle and the end, uh, the whole journey there. Yeah. So I started Green Blender because I was working at ClassPass and I really saw the power of how fitness has, really how fitness can change people's lives firsthand. And I really saw how businesses can have a lot of impact on people's lives. And um, we would get you know customer emails that would bring the team to tears about how these customers were finding joy in fitness and joy in movement after you know decades maybe of people just hating their bodies and hating doing anything you know feeling like they have to do a certain thing mm. um, to work out and class fast really enabled them to try a bunch of different ways to move their body and really find the joy in fitness and that was really kind of the first time that I was I I really made that connection of how the time that you're spending at work can have such a huge impact on other people's lives and the decisions that you're making can have a really big impact on people's lives because prior to that you know i was working at in data analytics we were working at i was working at a SaaS company and we were selling this thing called concurrence that we kind of made up and we were selling against is how many people were on your website at any given time and for us to be more successful, we basically needed more people to go onto the internet, onto people's websites. And that felt like a little soul sucking to me. And, and when I went into ClassPass, it was really just very eye-opening around 
I don't know, maybe it feels very straightforward today, but it was very like an aha moment where I could spend the time that I'm spending on my professional career actually having an impact on people's lives. And as I was getting into it, I was, you know, very into health and wellness, very into fitness. And I was wanting to really make a bigger impact on people's lives. Um, and I think the biggest impact you can have on someone's life or any, like if you are looking for a big change, is really about the food that you're eating. It's not so much about, you know, the workouts that you're doing. If you're able to eat fresh produce, you know, a couple of times a day, drink enough water, your quality of life is going to improve immensely. Um, and I realized that I wanted to pursue making, having a bigger impact in people's lives. And I also wanted to have a, a bigger seat at the table. You know, I was like in my early twenties at class fast. I'm not like, you know, sitting at, in the boardroom making decisions. Sure. Um, and so I wanted to, I wanted to really have a hand in changing the trajectory of the business. And I wanted to, you know, try doing something on my own. Uh, my, my dad ran his own business and I was really entrepreneurial starting, you know, seeing that firsthand. And, um, it felt like kind of a logical next step on trying something different, trying something new. I think we launched this in 2014, which was when a lot of the meal kits were just coming onto the scene, raising lots of money. It was really like a very exciting time to, and felt very innovative to send pre-portioned food in the mail so that people could easily make um, what they wanted to um, at their house. Mm. So I started that and we basically, you know, it's just like a very typical startup story where we put up a website and drove some AdWord traffic to the website, just New York City, because that's where we were. We got a couple people to sign up, like three people maybe the first week or so. We made a recipe, we made the menu, went to the grocery store, got all the ingredients, packed it into boxes, got on the subway, hand delivered wow. the orders to people. And um, that was kind of how it all started. <laughs> wow. So basically, um, Fast forward, we were running the business out of our apartment in Brooklyn for a while. And then we, you know, grew out of that and we raised some venture capital. We moved into another warehouse in, in um, Queens and expanded from one warehouse to three warehouses. We shipped across, shipped smoothies all over the country. I think we were shipping, you know, a couple million smoothies by the end of the the run um, and really helping tens of thousands of people. And it was, it was very, I mean, it was very hard work running your own business. It was an always on kind of thing. You're always thinking about it. I feel like Green Wonder was my first child. And um, you're just always thinking about how you can improve more and more. And um, it was really, yeah, it was a really a great time, a great learning experience and great, um, exercise and how to I feel like running Green Blender was like how I got my MBA you know I feel like you kind of when you're a business owner you have to do everything you're making the strategic plans sometimes you're you know the designer sometimes you're customer support sometimes you're the delivery person um we definitely had you know you're kind of always on one year there was a super storm in New York um, where it was a huge blizzard, um, and it was called Superstorm Jonas, and we, it was a, a packing day, which, wow. you know, when you ship fresh produce, you have a, a very short window of time to get all of your produce into the warehouse, pack it, and then ship it out, so if you have a big superstorm, you have all of, we had all of our inventory, or all of our cash in inventory, and it would be very bad if we <laughs> had to cancel the orders for that week because we had already had gotten all of the ingredients. And so 
we, I remember it was like a Saturday. So Amir, my husband and I went to the warehouse and we also started packing. We were trying to, you know, go up against the clock to get all of this produce out um, so that, you know, FedEx would come pick up, you know, a couple thousand boxes so that we could get them out um, before the storm hit. Um, and, you know, you really have to think on your feet all the time. And it's all about thinking holistically around the business um, so that you can make sure that you're having the best experience for your customers. Um, and it, and there's really no one, like, one area of the business that's more or less important. They kind of all have to work in tandem. And I think running Green Blender really allowed me to be able to see very high level the mechanics and levers of a business. And I think really makes me a much better marketer today. Um, and I'm able to make a lot better decisions based on a wide range of things that aren't necessarily part of my department. For sure. Yeah, it, it's pretty incredible to, to, once you've probably held the reins of something holistically, then to see, okay, marketing is, is, is an important part of the puzzle, but you probably understand margin. You understand you know, kind of more of EBITDA and all these other finance terms of saying, hey, it's one thing to, to drive, you know, you know, top funnel traffic, but are we actually getting lifetime value out of our customers? And, you know, kind of understanding end to end. Plus, too, I, it's interesting that the storm was called Jonas. I just had to think of the Jonas Brothers. I'm like, they, I know. They name them after pop stars now? Like, what's the deal with the... I only remember it's called Jonas because we gave everyone a Jonas bonus because <laughs> we are trying to, we were like, everyone this like all hands on deck yes. and we all come in and do this and we'll give you a Jonas bonus um, so that we can get all these, this inventory out. I wish all bonuses rhyme like that. That's perfect. I know. <laughs> let's, let's talk about who gives a crap. You know, it, it's a, it's an interesting concept because it's not only eco-friendly products, you recycled bamboo toilet paper, paper towels, tissues, but then there's the give back part. And I, my, my jaw literally dropped when I read the percentage of profits, you know, to hear 50%. And then to hear the dollars on the other end, I think the website now says $10 million have been given. Um, not to mention the fact that it's a B Corp. And I even saw that on, on the URL extension, it's a .org. So there's, there's a lot going on there. Uh, would love to hear just kind of top level from you when, when people say, okay, Jenna, why, why toilet paper? Why, why do you guys give away so much money? Like what's, this is a really unique organization. Uh, how yeah. It? Yeah, it really is. And I really think there's something really magical about who gives a crap. Um, and it really starts at the genesis of the idea um, so in 2012, our founder, Simon Griffiths, literally had a quarter second epiphany moment when he was actually in a bathroom. And so he had always been working in philanthropy and nonprofits, and he was really seeing the limitations that that model provides. And he kind of like, that's his background. So he was in the bathroom and he kind of had this eureka moment where he was like what if we made eco-friendly toilet paper donated 50 percent of our profits and we called it who gives a crap and i think for anyone who isn't an entrepreneur like to have that clarity that you didn't actually have to iterate and find like find what you needed is incredible mm. so the i guess i say this all to say that um the company wouldn't exist without the business model okay. at its center. Um, and that's the reason why we are in business. And honestly, we have a thing called a BHAG, which is a big, hairy, audacious goal. Yeah. And it's really to make sure that everyone on earth has access to clean water and sanitation in our lifetime. And that's something that is start, we start all of our meetings with. It is the reason why we're in business. It's the reason why we are where we are today and a lot most i mean i guess all of our um business decisions are thought through that lens and wow. that's what drives uh, our growth that's what drives our product expansions that is what drives um all of the decisions that we make and i think you know 
that really makes the brand so authentic and, and really makes, uh, I feel like the brand come across as very unique. 100%. I think that, that you and the team have done a fabulous job too of, of weaving that message through every touch point. So I, I went through the process. I went to the site, you know, I, I purchased some, some toilet paper. It hasn't arrived yet. I just bought it this week. Um, but I, what I, did you get? Uh, I got 24 rolls. Um, did you get recycled or bamboo? Oh, the colorful wrappers or the black yeah. and white wrappers? I, I went colorful. Okay. You kind of got me on the color. So I know we, we do I'm love excited. it. I'm excited. And we can talk about this more offline, but I was really impressed with, uh, the survey questions at the end too. That asked, well, thank you. asked me about, I was like, I was like, dang, I got to find that plugin for Shopify for, uh, for, for the brand I work on. Uh, cause you know, the, it's like the 11th commandment, right? Know thy customer. And, uh, you definitely are doing that. So kudos. Uh, I think for me, you know, I've interviewed uh, some other folks uh, on Armed and Generous who have started uh, clean water nonprofits. And one of the things I hear from, from those folks, and I, I get really excited about this and sanitation because it, it's, it's very unlike um, some other issues in our world that, that are really complex problems to solve. Not to say it isn't complex at, at the ground level, right? Working with governments, working with, locals and developing nations, that is complex and, and the technology behind it. What I mean is it's, it's solvable. You know, clean water is not, there's not some magic to it. It's not, there's not some, it's not like a, some kind of cancer or something that we can't, just can't figure out. And so mm -hmm. for me, that gets me really excited. And there's such a natural connection to the product. It's not like, hey, we're whoever and we support this random charity you know, you guys, are, it's all really connected, which, which I think really makes the brand sing, which is awesome. So I wanted to ask you too, Jenna, you know, as we think about um, this idea of, of give back brands, brands that stand for more than business, you know, the research that what we look at around generations in, in marketing points to Gen Z being uh, a generation that really cares and, you know, younger millennials and, the, whoever we're going to call the TikTok generation here coming up, you know, like whoever the, generation T. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Whatever they're going to do live in the metaverse. I don't know. We'll see, oh. <laughs> you know, but, but for me, there's doing some research around their, their spending uh, potential. The last I saw is, is the, the younger adults have about $140 billion uh, in spending ability. And I know that authenticity is a big, is a big piece from that. Uh, I'm curious when, when you guys are kind of reading your demographic data or your, your shopper data, are, are you seeing a lift from younger demographics or is it more, more of a, um, a, a mind style uh, audience, just people who kind of think sustainably and give back? So I guess the question more sharply is, are you, are you seeing a response more from a demographic or more from a psychographic audience uh, with who gives a crap? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think we probably are in a unique situation because we're selling toilet paper and literally <laughs> like the majority of people. Most people need it, paper. yeah. <laughs> um, so in that sense, we are very accessible to everybody. Um, we definitely see a younger generation starting to make those purchasing decisions. Um, but, you know, if you think about it, you kind of need to be in your 20s at least because you're lit or you have to be living on your own making those purchasing decisions. Um, so we are seeing people of all ages and demographics and decide to make the switch but I do think that the biggest the thing that is kind of a uniter uniting thread between our customers is making sure that um, they are either really invested in the eco side of our business yes. or on the impact side of our business mm. or both but one of those things is drawing them to um, us as a business and I think 
if we think about you know gen z and millennials this these two you know swaths of people um authenticity really is very key um in in what we do i mean it's one of the reasons what's one of the things that drives all of my professional decisions where i really need to have this clear why that what i'm doing in this world is making a difference and i think a lot of people feel that way and it doesn't just mean a why in your professional career, but I think people really want to feel a strong connection with the products that they want to support as well. So I think, you know, authenticity is key. I think being authentic in any business is key. Uh, and I think that's really the wave of the future. If you look at what's going on in, in the world, you know, it's very easy to start a business. It's very easy to start. I mean, I started my business for green blender like put up a website made something look nice yeah uh, added like a checkout button and went to the grocery store and bought all the food and put it all together it's not like there's the barrier to entry to start a business is so low and you can literally buy a container of whatever you want and have it arrive anywhere you want in the world so i think the big thing that brands need to think about is the authenticity of their brand and really that's the only thing that they can defend in the long run and so making sure that if you're going to be doing something going to say you're going to be doing something you do it you go if you're going to stand for something you stand for it and you push that conversation forward um i don't think every single successful company in the future is, needs to have a social component but I do think whatever they stand for, they stand for that authentically and consistently. And that's what, those are the brands that are going to win in the long run. And those are the brands that Gen Z and millennials will be supporting. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I don't know why, but for, when you were unpacking that, it made me think of the, the water brand, uh, Liquid Death. Have you seen this? <laughs> yeah, I've seen and it. I'm just like, <laughs> what is happening? You know, they, they made a, a water product in a beer can that is called liquid death, but it's just water. Um, and they do have a social component. You know, they, they do have an impact component as well, but it, they're not leading with that. They're leading with this, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it's almost like a WWE wrestler sort of like vibe to it. And they, they own it. I mean, everything they do, I don't know if it was like a 404 page or something i something i saw on their website and it was like even down to like the legal copy you know was yeah. was that was their tone and really just living out liquid death you know to a t which which i think you guys do a great job of you know i, th I think kind of in this in this idea of um kind of living out authenticity i was thinking about um how it's more it's more than just having a brand it's more than just having a business and I wanted to hear if you had any, any stories or any insight around, you know, speaking directly to the audience or to customers. I know that when we talked the other day, you had shared that, you know, seeing customers succeed, um, kind of getting customers feedback is important. And so I'm curious if you, not exact quotes, but what's, what's your sense of, of how customers are responding to who gives a crap as, as a brand, you know, and kind of what you guys are doing in the world. Yeah, I mean, I think um, we have incredibly loyal customers because I think we're very consistent and incredibly true to what we stand for. Um, I think that, you know, it's not, businesses have to have a good product to like, that's kind of like the base. You always have to have a good product. It's still very important. You have to at least be at status quo of what that consumer's expectation is. But then as we layer on, there's the brand, there's the being authentic, there's um, supporting your customer, making things right. I mean, I think there's one kind of really fun example that actually just happened um, this week. So we just launched a new limited edition a couple times a year. We launch a brand new um, pack of 
fun decorative um, toilet paper. And so right now we're, we're recording this in November. So we've just launched the holiday edition. And so a lot of people actually give toilet paper out, our toilet paper out as gifts. That's awesome. And so we made a give edition, which is all about giving. And someone wrote into our customer happiness team and said, you know, we always do a family gift exchange. Um, I want to gift, I'm a loyal customer. I want to gift the give edition. Just a, a little caveat is that we usually create some sort of poem that um, in the form of a riddle that kind of alludes to the gift that we're about to give, but doesn't actually tell the, cu the customer, the family member, what gift uh, we're going to give. Do you think, I know this is a big ask, but do you think you could have your team just write a few stanzas for me? <laughs> That's awesome. And guess what we did? And it was uh, yes. the best the best um poem i have read and it was so joyful it had so um, much fun um and i actually kind of want to steal it for myself because yes it was really funny really kind of if you ever read um tony shea's book delivering happiness mm. which is all about um zappos's philosophy Customer about service. making sure that the customer you know, feels really supported and, and you are helping them in whatever. And, and their big, um, notorious infamous story is that a customer can call and ask for you to order them a pizza and they will. Wow. So this is kind of what I feel like is the, who gives a crap story of something that doesn't scale that you really support your customers where they are and what they need. And you do something really, um, incredible, uh, to help, um, move that customer, make that customer feel like, you know, we're all part of the same team. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I think there's, there's something incredible there with, with going the extra mile and the, the output of it is it's fun. Like it, and it feels good. Like that's a fun day at work to write a poem, you know, I know. Just, just to think about like, you just got paid to write a poem. Like that's like, how cool is that? You know, which which is fine. That that also makes me think too. You know, with, especially in the DTC space and startup brands, there's not a lot of rules around what you can do when it comes to helping customers. You know, there's not some you know 300 page you know you know rule book that says sorry. You know, like I, I'd love to help you, but you know the the, the guys upstairs. You know the the boss said we can't do it. It's like having the free, that speaks a lot to culture too. Having the free, right. you know, to be able to, to deliver, which is awesome. Uh, and so, we, ahead. I mean, that's one of the pillars of what we, of one of our cultural pillars is to deliver delight. And mm -hmm. so making sure we're empowering our team to ensure that we're delivering delight to everyone, whether that's an internal meeting or, um, a customer experience or the packaging design um, or the, an email that you're reading, we always make sure that is, we always ask ourselves, is this a delightful moment? Will this brighten someone's day? Mm. And I don't think it necessarily always has to be, you know, a fun, amazing poem, but it also means, can I check out easily? Can I do the yes. things that I need to do um, to, you know, get my order in time? That's great. Yeah, I know when I when I bought um, the rolls, I checked it was the recycled toilet paper. Um, you know, the email said you just did a really good thing. You know, thank you for taking a stand against deforestation and helping build toilets for those in need. Yay, you! I was like, oh, <laughs> I feel good about myself. Um, well, good. You know, you say, should. <laughs> you know, I think too that there's an inherent uh, word of mouth. Uh, piece to this too because there's there, you almost want to brag to your friends like I can't wait to tell my family you know my extended family like hey I bought this cool toilet paper you know and it's it's good for the earth it's good for people you know it's a great product good for your bum as you guys say uh, so great. it kind of checks all the boxes uh, so I wanted to ask too kind of looking forward uh, what's next for who gives a crap you know as you think about kind of the next three to five years, uh, the business, your role, um, kind of everything involved. 
Yeah, I mean, what's next is, first of all, we'll just continue delighting our customers every day. And um, we are going to continue building towards our BHAG, which is making sure that um, everyone on earth has access to clean water and sanitation. And so that means we want to expand the business and get bigger because the more we can, the more customers we have and the more opportunities we have to grow the business, the bigger our donation will get at the end of the year. So making sure, you know, we're launching new products, we're going into new um, areas. We actually launched in Canada, we launched in Europe, um, we're in Australia and the UK as well as the US. Uh, and so really making sure that we're having a big impact on everything that we do. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I think about what you're doing now, what you've done in your career, where you're going, and you really exemplify that, that arm to generous life, which is, which is why you're on the show. Uh, but also, you know, a, a great example of, of how to build a career. Uh, a lot of times on the show I talk about, it's, it's about creating a double bottom line you know, one that's, that's not just success, but also significance and kind of how do you want, you know, your story to be told. Uh, and I, I think, you know, really, you, as you and I were talking through today and what we wanted to accomplish, one thing we set on was, hey, what advice can we give people? You know, if, if you, let's say you're sitting down for a coffee, a magic coffee that appears from your husband's hand, you know, <laughs> where, if you're sitting down for a coffee, what, what would you tell someone who's just starting to put the pieces together of living this arm and gen life? Yeah, of course. I think that, um, you know, I have like a lot of, I've, I've had the gift of time to look back and kind of connect the dots and, and the motivation of what made me move to another career path and another job. Um, and I think, you know, this is a great time to be looking for another job with the great recession or great resignation is I think what they're calling it. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of companies looking for amazing talent. Um, I think that this is a great opportunity to start thinking about what your next move is going to be. And so if I think about the, I basically had four main drivers that helped guide me through big career change decisions, which I feel like, like I've had six and who even knows how many more I'll have because I do feel like I'm just getting started. And so I definitely um, use these four pillars as well. Um, every time I'm assessing opportunities or even internally looking at what I want to do next in my career. Because remember, this is your life and this is, you get one wild, beautiful life to live and it is too short to be working on things that don't inspire you. So here are the four things that I, I think about. The first one is understand what's most important to you in your job. And this is where you say, wow, I really want to make sure that I um, have a eco impact. I really want to spend time on changing, you know, solving climate change or something like that. But it doesn't have to be that. So it could be, is it cultural? Are you looking for like a cultural fit or a fun fit? Is it financial security? Is it creative freedom? What is it that's super important to you and what's kind of like your North Star? And I think it's really important to also identify that it's okay to change that over your career. It's important that you understand right now what's most important to you. Is it financial security? Which is what, one of the reasons why I went into banking you know, right out of college. I really wanted to make sure that I was making money. Um, and I think that's okay to, to admit and say. Sure. And as you move through your career, or maybe you go and follow your financial security and you get achieve it, and then you're like, oh, I realize now the money isn't everything and I want to layer on that financial security. Um, I think there was actually, I was just reading an article in the Harvard Business Review. I think you can Google it. Um, it's called why you should build a career portfolio, not a career path. Mm. And I think that's really important to think about your career as, as building a career portfolio, what kind of skills are going to be your number one focus, um, and kind of collect this. So you're becoming a well-rounded, um, individual. It's no longer a, a thing where you start, you know, in the mailroom and then you can work up to be a CEO. 
I think there's lots of different paths to get there and you don't necessarily have to be the CEO. It's okay if you don't want to be. So that's number one, understand what's most important to you in your job. Number two is learn at every opportunity. And so I think asking yourself in your current position, am I learning? Am I growing? And I think finding projects within an organization that help you move forward in that learning and growing thing. Um, or, and, and I guess the most more important is when opportunities are put on your plate or you come across opportunities or projects, find that gold thread in the opportunity. I think um, a lot of times people are waiting for that perfect project or perfect opportunity or ideal scenario to come through in their job. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. Really finding the passion within the project instead of finding passion projects. That being said, you can also find passion projects that are not related to work. Like I started um, a fitness blog on the side. It's totally fun to do something different and it gives you complete autonomy and authority on something in your life, which is, is always a win and you may learn something from it. So that's number two learn at every opportunity. Number three is get out of your comfort zone. I feel like a lot of times people can feel very comfortable in their situation, even if they're unhappy. Um, I think that, you know, if the project or goal doesn't give you butterflies, I think it's not big enough. I'm a big runner. And okay. if I'm writing down a a race time that I want to get. And if it doesn't like make me a little bit nervous, it's probably not fast enough. And so I think that's really important to push yourself to for that stretch so that you are learning and growing and you're not, it, you're not um, hung up around, you know, failure, which is a scary and it happens. Everyone fails. Yeah. I've failed lots of times. And, you know, I think when you actually fail, it's less painful than the being scared of failure. Mm. Um, what else? Oh, the last one. So the, that one is get out of your comfort zone. And then the last one is to be patient, but not too patient. <laughs> so really, you know, wanting to make sure you give your opportunity a fair shot you're very open, you go through and find projects or take the projects and find the opportunity within the projects of your business. Maybe you're, you know, wanting to get into impact, for example, and you have no experience in impact. So instead of um, just quitting your job, you have a couple options. You can quit your job and try to get in an impact related field. If that happens, you're gonna to have to probably work your way up from nothing because you have no experience in that field. Mm -hmm. You could also find opportunities within your organization to build that impact skill um, that you don't have to, maybe you do a lateral move within your business and you now start building up experience there. Um, but I do, so those are opportunities to be like, if you're feeling anxious about, I need to get out of here and start doing something different, mm -hmm. maybe take a beat, think about strategically how you could do that and give back to your business. It's not necessarily saying you're not, you know, I think the benefit, the business also benefits from that. But if you have tried, what I'm saying is at the end of all of that, You've tried to, you know, make the most out of that business. You've tried to, you know, find the passion in all of the projects that um, are coming your way. Um, and it's still not working out. Don't feel bad releasing that experience and moving on. Um, I've mm -hmm. seen a lot of people stay in a career because they're just waiting for that opportunity to come through in that job or that, that, um, in that job essentially. And it's important to remember again, like this is your life. You only have one of these and you only have so much time to do the things you want to do and making sure that, you know, to be patient and not too patient um, on your, your dreams. That's great. 
I can't wait for your book to come out. The four <laughs> highly effective habits of switching careers six times in six years. I know, seriously. <laughs> and who even knows what, what my future will bring. I feel like it's really important to be open about yes. it. And, and I really feel like, um, you know, the way that our careers are run in the U.S. specifically, but just mm -hmm. how, you know, you're gone are the days where you're spending 20 years in a, in a place or you start from college and you retire with that same organization. I feel like I start every job with the hope that I'll be there forever yeah. um, because why not? Like you want to really have, you know, some ownership in what you're working on. Um, but I do think that it's important to remember that um, there's lots of options and there's lots of ways to build that career portfolio. So good. So good. That's a, thank you for sharing. What a gift of a, a framework uh, for folks. All right, so you work in marketing. So this is, you know, marketing, we have a CTA or a call to action. So this is your time to, to do your CTA. What's, what's well, the best, what's that? I said, great, I'm ready. Okay, so, <laughs> so yeah, what's, what's the best way for folks to get involved and uh, to shop the brand and, and to kind of follow? Yeah, so first, if you're looking for a new toilet paper brand, definitely go to whogivesacrap.org and check out what we have to offer. Um, if you're looking for a new job, definitely check out our jobs page um, and see what all the, we have lots and lots of opportunities there across several different types of, uh, several different departments. And if you're looking for a fun social follow, you should follow us at who gives a crap TP on Instagram and Facebook. Here we go, that's awesome. Now, Jenna, thank you so much. Yeah, it was really a treat to unpack all this with you. I'm looking forward to trying the recycled toilet paper here soon. I'll have to go on and give you a review. Um, Please do. And we're, it, it, I mean, honestly, like I, it, you're inspiring. And I think that it's fun to see, you know, obviously the brand is called Give a Crap, uh, but you do give a crap. So thank you. And uh, thanks for living armed and generous. I appreciate you. Thank you. Well, it's time for Triple T Takeaways, where we look at examples in this episode where time, talent, or treasure were used to become armed and generous. You know, first off, Jenna talked through her twists and turns through her career, and she may have one of the more interesting career arcs I've ever seen. From the tech world to a blog and then a smoothie business and now selling toilet paper online, she's really done it all. One thing she's always kept in the forefront is purpose and something that drives her to her next role and her next responsibilities is this idea of making an impact. She talked a lot about her desire to help others in her work. If it was an existing project or with a company that maybe didn't seem like an impact company, it wasn't something that held her back. She found a way to make social impact no matter where she was. She called it the golden thread. So how can you weave a golden thread in your everyday work? Is there a project you're on right now that you can take on more or, or just shift the strategy slightly so you can find opportunities to explore your passion and to help others in the process. Jenna also talked about starting a fitness blog. It was a point of passion and something she wanted to do as a creative outlet. She didn't necessarily start it as a moneymaker or a way to build a business, but it started to gain traction because of her passion. It wasn't a revenue generator at first, but it actually helped her land her gig with FastPass. And it was something that she had energy for time and time again. So what passions do you have and how can you start to develop that thought leadership and place it somewhere in the world to express those passions? Is it a blog? Is it on social media? Is it a podcast? That's really what I'm doing with Armed and Generous. This is something I'm passionate about and I'm getting my word out there just so people can hear it. You know, as is the case with Jenna, it could lead to greater opportunities within your passion space. When I started Armed and Generous a few years ago, just as an idea, it helped me land my gig uh, at my current company. So that might work out for you too. You know, Jenna talked through the business model of who gives a crap, and it was clear to see they're not just your average corporation. They're a B Corp, they're a .org, and they give away 50% of their profits to ending unstable sanitation issues globally. In fact, this is what fuels them. It's not just the bottom line. So what fuels you? What fuels your company? 
Is there a problem that's connected to your product? And by giving away a portion of profits could help eradicate a world issue. If there's not something your company is currently doing, or if it's not the center and DNA of what you guys do, have a talk with the leadership, pitch an idea. And remember, millennials, Gen Z, and even younger folks really, really care about this. And that's where the dollars are going. So make the conversation about the dollars as well. You know, Jenna and the team at Who Gives a Crap are living the armed and generous life. And they always start with the why and the bigger picture and the bigger world issues at hand. Then they built a company and offering from that point of passion. Plus, they make a great eco-friendly product that you got to check out. To learn more, visit whogivesacrap.org or follow on Instagram at whogivesacraptp to see what they're up to these days. For more episodes and content, visit armedandgen.com or follow by searching Armed Ampersand Generous on LinkedIn or on Instagram. As always, remember, doing good leads to growth. So let's get out there and let's be armed and generous.